Friends, would you open with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13? We're in Hebrews 13, and this is our final Sunday in preaching through the book of Hebrews. I'm going to read for us the remaining six verses of the letter. I'm starting in Hebrews 13, verse 20. Hear now God's word. And may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I know that even as we approach this benediction blessing, um, the enemy is going to whisper to us this morning, and he's going to tell us in various ways that this cannot possibly be true, or at least that it cannot be true for us, for me, as I sit here. Lord, he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. There's no truth in him. I pray that you would silence him this morning and this week, and that we would hear, and that we would believe, and that we would obey. Your spirit can do that inside of us, and so we ask in confidence in Jesus' risen and reigning name. Amen. Well, I love at the end of this massive 13-chapter letter that the writer says that he's written to us briefly, right? He's, he's just kind of scratched the surface. He's dabbled in the eternal covenant that we have in Christ, and he's written to us about these things very briefly. And so in turn, I'm just going to speak very briefly about this text and what's here. You could take these verses and bring them together into a sentence that will serve as our thesis, and that is this. May God give you everything you need to do what makes him happy. May God give you everything you need to do what makes him happy. That's the thesis. That's what we're going to explore. It's the title of this sermon, and so you have it in your bulletin. Because we're using the word may... It sounds like a prayer. May God potentially do this. And it is a prayer, but it's more than that. It's a promise. There's nothing in this prayer that is not already promised to us here in Hebrews and elsewhere in Scripture. And so this is not a piece of wishful thinking. This is a benediction reality. This is a truth that is being spoken over us as the church of Christ. So I want to unpack that thesis, and I want to start with the second half first. We said, may God give you everything you need, and then we're going to look at to do what makes him happy. Now, I get that portion from verse 21. Look at this. Equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Now that reminds us, that little passage here in verse 21 reminds us of Philippians 2.13, that famous passage that says that it's God who's in you both to will and to work for what? For his good pleasure. I love this reminder. Everything we're talking about this morning, everything that's being orchestrated by God on our behalf is being done for his own delight. 
When God does in our lives what he promises he's going to do in our lives, he does it because it brings glory to him and because it makes him happy. And those things are one and the same. He's doing this in our lives to bring him utmost glory and happiness. When we have that in our minds, we can look at the first part of this thesis, which is, may God give you everything you need. May he give you everything you need. Now, I was reflecting on this passage, and I was thinking about what's going on in the life of our family, and I realized, as we kind of talked about a little bit in the family meeting previously, that within the same week, our family and our church signed a lease on a church space and engaged in the renovations. We engaged a contractor who's going to begin significant work on our house, and we bought a flock of little baby chicks, and we began building a chicken coop for the chickens. Of all those stresses in our family's life, I think it's going to be that dumb chicken coop that is our undoing. It's one of those, those, those projects you start, you have no idea what it entails. So we had a massive fight about it over the weekend, and we kind of felt like we were unevenly yoked, and certain people weren't pulling their share on building the chicken coop. So things are really tense in my house right now, okay? So you can ask anything you want about the church property or the addition on our house, but do not, whatever you do, ask about that dumb chicken coop. I love doing a project like this. What I cannot stand is what you can't stand, and that is endless trips to the hardware store, right? It's like you're in the middle of this thing, and you're holding something up, and you go to reach for another two-by-four, and doggone it, you've used the last two-by-four. So you stop everything, you jump in the van, you drive back to the hardware store, you get what you need, you drive home, and once you've unpacked everything, you realize you got two-inch galvanized screws instead of three-inch galvanized screws, which you need, so you're back to the hardware store. And it drives me absolutely bonkers. Here's how that's related to our passage. The Bible is operating with this wild premise. The premise that there is a building project underway. It has begun before the foundations of the world, but as far as you're concerned, it began at your conversion, and the building project is this, that God is not finished with you until you reflect the image of his son. He wants to make you look, think, feel, act like his son, Jesus. In the language that we've already gotten in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 14, we heard that we have been perfected, but now and all the while we are being sanctified. We heard in chapter 9, verse 14, that we've been saved, but now and all the while our consciences are being made pure to serve the living God. Now, now here's the crazy part about that construction project. That building is going on. It's happening in each of our lives and together in the life of this church. There is absolutely nothing missing from this construction site. We have absolutely everything we need on hand to follow Jesus and to be made like him. Believe it or not, There is not a single thing that you and I go to reach for in this Christian life that is not already ours in Christ Jesus. We have it. We have it all. 
I say that's the crazy part because I think more often than not, we go through the Christian life perceiving that we lack something or we lack a lot of things. The Bible is telling us God has given, but we're telling ourselves, if only I had, right? The Bible is saying God has given, God has given, God has given, and we're saying to ourselves, yes, but only if I had. If only I had this, if only I were like this, if only these circumstances were here, then I could follow God and do his will. For each of the us, those are related to different things in our life. Some of us are saying to ourselves, if only I had a different story, Right? As I think back over the course of my life, if things had gone differently, if those early chapters of pain in my life hadn't been written, I wouldn't now carry that pain later in life, and I would be a different person. For some of us, we think, if only I were in a different season, if my circumstances were different, if only I had more money. Or if only I had more time, or if only my kids weren't in diapers, or if only things were more stable for me at work, or if only I had a different spouse. If these circumstances were different, then and only then I could be a different person. Or what if I had a different personality? What if I was just more gregarious and I was outspoken? What if people liked me more or I was less awkward? Or maybe what if I didn't have such a big mouth? If I was a different kind of person, things would be different. Or what if I had a different set of temptations? I'm wired with certain leanings and temptations, but what if I had others? What if it wasn't envy and greed in my life or body image or same-sex attraction or loneliness? What if I didn't struggle with those things? I just struggled with other things. Maybe then and only then I could be a different person. Or what if it was a different insight? What if I could just get my hands on the right book, the right sermon series, the right podcast? If I could think to ask the right questions and someone could give me the right answers, then I would know what I don't know and I could be a different person. If only, if only, if only I look around and I see other believers who are growing and they're changing and they look more and more like Jesus and I'm not because they have these things and I don't have these things and that's why I can't grow like they're growing. I don't have what I need. Christian, that is not true. That is absolutely not true for a single believer in this room. That was the first lie that has ever been spoken in creation. Remember that? Eve, if only you had this. You're missing this one thing, and to be like God, you can't be. You're missing something that God has, that he hasn't given you. And if only you had that one thing, you could follow God and be like him. It was the first lie that has ever been spoken. It's a lie that has been repackaged in hundreds of different ways. And it has been delivered to each and every one of our doorsteps. And for reasons I failed to grasp myself, all of us keep picking it up and opening the thing and turning it over and over in our hands and saying, what if this is true? What if God is holding out on me? What if there is something that he has that I need, that I need access to, and if I don't have, I can't grow. What if he has something he's not giving to me? Christian, leave it on your doorstep. That lie is not for you. There is not a single 
page missing from your story. There's not a single circumstance missing from your life. There is not a single letter missing from your Myers-Briggs personality test. None of it is missing for you. You have all of it. Verse 21, may God, God will equip you with everything good that you may do his will. You have everything to do his will. We've been hearing about these good things for 13 chapters. We've done nothing for the past year but talk about the good things that God has given us. And the writer could say, wink, wink, remember, I already told you these things. But he can't even resist in the final paragraph of the letter saying, let me just rehearse three of them for you. I know I've said them already. I don't even need to repeat myself, but I'm going to tell you three once again. And here they are in verse 20. God brought Jesus back from the dead. Jesus now lives with an indestructible life to be the great shepherd of the sheep. And that eternal covenant that we've heard so much about, that has been upheld in blood. Here's what all of that means as you think about those three things. The power that God has in himself over death. The power that God has to defeat death. The power that he has in his son who stands with an indestructible life to shepherd us and to intercede for us. The power that God has to make a promise that can last forever. All of that power has been leveraged by God for us to do his will. He's taking the whole of it and he's bringing it to bear on our Christian lives so that we can know we have absolutely everything we need. It's all over scripture. Ephesians says we have every spiritual blessing. Paul prays that Philemon, like us, would have knowledge of every good thing that is in us. 1 Corinthians says we lack no spiritual gift. This ain't a capital campaign. This ain't God filling half the thermometer and seeing if the rest of us can rally together and fill the other half. He's not asking for that. He has absolutely in every way provided for us and we lack nothing. I think as we close, it is worth asking ourselves as believers a critical question for our lives. What else do I need? What else do I really truly need to follow God and to do his will that he has not already given me in the book of Hebrews alone? What am I missing? Do you, Christian, need terms of peace between you and God so that you don't have to keep running and hiding from him? You have those. Do you, Christian, need a high priest, one who has been made like you in every respect so that he can help you in times of temptation? You have that one. Do you need access anytime, anywhere, for any reason to the very throne of grace in prayer for help? Christian, that is yours. Do you need angels as ministering spirits? Do you need the word of God as a two-edged sword? Do you need a community of believers to encourage you? Do you need leaders to follow and to submit yourselves to? Do you need a cloud of witnesses who has gone before you that you can look back to and see what this life of faith could be? Do you need discipline 
that is painful for a season, but it's going to bear the fruit of righteousness. Do you need a steadfast anchor of the soul? Round the clock intercession, perfection for all time. Do you need the joy of Jesus enduring the cross? Do you need the promise that he will never ever leave us or forsake us? Do you need the truth that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever? Do you need hope that you are looking forward to a city whose designer and builder is God? Christian, do you need the promise that one day you will see God himself? These things are ours. We have them. They're ours. They're absolutely, undeniably irrevocably ours. All of them are from God. All of them are by his grace. All of them are to supply us in our Christian lives. And all of it makes God happy. Let's pray together. God, this is such a simple promise and it is so hard to believe that you have equipped us lavishly with everything we need to do your will and to follow you. I pray that even a moment today, you would give us reprieve from the temptation that we don't have, we lack, we need, we've got the wrong circumstances and the wrong hard wiring, and that you would remind us that you have made us whole in Christ and you will continue to perfect this work until you come again. Do that in our midst, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.